Hey everybody, welcome into the first postcast of 2021. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Casper Star Tribune, and this is a production of the Casper Star Tribune. And uh, before I even get into this podcast any further, I just wanted to say first that I know this podcast has sort of been on hiatus the last eight or nine months, and uh, I mean, I won't get into all the details about it, but um, long story short, um, we are now going to get this back on its more regular weekly schedule. Um, I've now got another podcast partner that I will introduce you guys to or reintroduce you to, I guess, based on how you want to look at it. And uh, we've uh, figured out a time and, and, and a schedule to where we can make this work better uh, and, and get this more consistently to you. So uh, just a quick programming note right off the bat, this podcast will uh, be published on our websites, uh, trib.com, postauthority.com, and all of our platforms first thing each Friday morning. So uh, be on the lookout for that going forward. Um, but without further ado, I am uh, joined by our managing editor and former Wyoming beatnik, Brandon Foster. Brandon, welcome back to the postcast, man. Hey, it's it's good to be back. I'm I'm glad I don't have to do the intro, so it's, <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's uh it can get tricky for sure. Um <laughs> so uh what have you been up to, man? Oh man, just been you know, taking the last two years off most no. <laughs> uh you know, just just surviving in uh the uh the world of journalism in twenty twenty and now twenty twenty one. It's something Something new every day, so it's it's been an adventure. Yeah. Do you, do you miss the Wyoming beat at all? Uh, the athletics time, beat, I guess I should say. <laughs> at times I do, and at, at times I don't. I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I uh, on Saturday mornings, it's on the on the one hand, it's or Saturday afternoons or whatever. It's nice to to sit down and crack open a beer and watch a cowboy football game. Uh, so yeah, you know that's uh, that's a perk, but it's also you know probably the times when I when I miss it the most and wish I were uh you know in the press box and asking yeah. questions after the game so yeah a little bit of both I would say but uh it's it's fun to uh still be close to it and keep tabs on it and uh, enjoy all your good work yeah well I know you miss riding on deadline every Saturday <laughs> so oh yeah that's uh I mean, we, we, I still get my practice with that in a different <laughs> capacity, I would say. So, yeah. Well, you're, you're a familiar voice that, uh, most of our listeners probably already know. So, uh, it's, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad you're joining me, uh, for, for, sure. for, for this ride. Um, but, and it's, so it's been a, I mean, it's been a while, obviously, since we put out a, a podcast and, um, I, I haven't even put one out since the end of football season. So there's a lot of different directions we could go, uh, here today, but, um, I'm going to j- briefly talk football because I mean, Wyoming has moved the start of spring practice back at least now, you know, and everything's tentative and, and, um, you know, w- with the coronavirus pandemic still ongoing, but, um, you know, they're moving spring practice back to mid April. So we still got, I mean, almost three months to talk about, uh, and we will talk about what, you know, look back on their 2020 season and, you know, what happened on the field. So we'll, we'll, we've got plenty of time to talk about that. So, but we're now, I mean, what we're, you know, first week of February, I mean, we're right in the middle of college basketball season. So I want to talk a little bit more about that today, uh, and just what Wyoming has done on the basketball court in the first year, uh, under Jeff Linder. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit 
of NFL and particularly the Buffalo Bills and more specifically Josh Allen, uh, who people in this state may or may not have heard of at this point. But um, so we'll, we'll talk a little, just talk a little football, mostly off the field. Uh, Wyoming did just finalize uh, its 2021 recruiting class. At least I'm 99.9% sure it's finalized. They end up signing two more players on Wednesday during the traditional signing period, I guess you call it. Um, a, a pair of high school teammates from Texas, actually, uh, from Lancaster High there in, in the Lone Star State. Uh, receiver Tony Evans Jr. And then a, another running back, uh, DQ James, uh, which I was sort of surprised with because Wyoming is – already loaded in terms of their running back depth. I mean, they're not losing any running backs off this year's team. And they actually signed another running back out of Texas during the early signing period and in Jordan Vaughn. So, uh, but now they're technically at 18 signees, which Wyoming lists 19, but they're including a linebacker out in Nebraska, Tommy McAvoy that they're bringing in as a preferred walk on. So, and they're counting him. So they're saying 19, but really they've only, spent 18 scholarships um, at this point. So it is interesting because it's a low number because you can, you know, the NCAA uh, max that you can sign in a, in a year is 25. So they're well under that. Uh, it's sort of interesting because we, we asked Craig Bowl all kinds of questions about um, that during his uh, signing day press conference on Wednesday. But w- one thing that's, that's interesting about it, and he talked a lot about is the fact that, you know, with, with the NCAA granting this uh, or extending the eligibility of these of these seniors, or all fall sports athletes, I should say, but particularly with the seniors coming back, the NCAA is going to allow teams to go over the 85 uh, scholarship limit for the 2022 season, or the 2021 season, excuse me, which is, you know, this fall. But then you're going to have to get back to 85, if not under it, you know, for the 2022 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're they're already sort, sort of at that number already, um, and, and the seniors that come back don't count against that. But this was a young Wyoming team. Like, I mean, only thirteen seniors, and they really they only have one underclassman that's left the program at this point, and that was uh, defensive end Cameron Smith, uh, who was dealing with some some legal issues. Um, so, I mean, you know, they're, they're, Craig Bowl essentially said, and I haven't done the math on this yet. I probably need to go back and just count, look at their roster and count the scholarship players. I don't know exactly what they're at. Um, so I'm sort of taking Craig Bowl's word on this. But he said they're basically, they're already bumping up against that 85 already. So they, you know, essentially they're trying to not add any more at this class so that, you know, in two years when they have to get back to 85, they don't, you know, have to like pull scholarships from guys or essentially cut them to get back to that 85 limit. Um, so that, that's something that's interesting in, in terms of their roster. But, but in terms of the, the signees on Wednesday, the, the running back DQ James was very interesting to me uh, because, as I, as I mentioned, Wyoming is already sort of set at running back in terms of their depth. I mean, you got Xavier Valdez coming back for his senior season, Trey Smith's coming back for another year. Um, you know, you still have DeWine McNeely, who was their number three running back last year when Titus Swin was opted out. And Titus Swin is, you know, was their third leading rusher as a freshman back in 2019. He's coming back. Um, they've got another redshirt freshman that has played very sparingly. So really they had five running backs and they, they added a second one in the, 2021 signing class with DQ James, who's 
he's about five foot seven, 180. He's very different from the other running backs that they have in the sense that he's more of a scat back. And, and that's something that Craig Bull said he, he was looking for specifically find a guy who could be a change of pace to what they already have. Maybe a guy that can get on the edges and use more in perimeter runs, which Wyoming, you know, has not done a whole lot at all. You know, I would say 90, 95% of their, their runs are between the tackles and mostly through the A and B gap. So, um, I wonder if he's looking at that and thinking maybe they have to diversify what they're doing in their running game. Um, but that's that was something a, a little bit different. I'm I'm just curious, and obviously you had experience uh, covering Wyoming during the Craig Bowl era, and 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 you know know what they like to do, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. I'm, uh, just curious what you may, thought about their uh, their two late signees, in particular that uh, that running back DQ James they signed. Yeah, well, I mean, first things first, with a name like DQ, you got to hope that they've they've got a good nickname coming, <laughs> the Blizzard or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I, uh, I part of me thinks, um, you know, the way that they use their running backs, they kind of just, you know, have battering rams back there. It seems like, and they take a big beating that you almost never can have enough depth in the backfield. But yeah, I mean, on on top of that, you know, having a change of pace, scat back type guy, I I would think could only add a dimension to an offense that doesn't seem to have a ton of dimensions right now um i'm trying to think like in recent years who who would even you know who could have been the closest thing to fit that mold as far as even just shorter running backs i know i mean i know nico evans wasn't very tall but he wasn't a scat back type um i'm thinking back to 2017 when they entered the season planning to start milo hall who was a real short and speedy guy but he he kind of lost his starting job really quickly yeah um so he wasn't a big factor that season uh, and then they kind of pivoted right away to you know a tall uh converted defensive end trey woods who they threw back there who played most of the snaps that year so you know it, it just feels like they've in recent mem- memory only had the really big physical guys i can't even think of you know a, a recent scat back type i might i might be missing somebody in you know 18 and 19 that um i wasn't thinking of when when you took over but um but that, that does seem like a, a different element that they haven't had, which I would imagine, like you said, they're not going to run a five foot nine kid right right up the gut every time. So yeah. that, in, in theory, is a is a sign that they've got maybe something else in mind. Yeah, as far as you know, otherwise, I I just think to like maybe rocket Ishmael a little bit. I feel like they used his speed on the edges a little bit out of the receiver position. Same with Austin Conway, but having a hard time thinking of any uh, any running backs that that um, would fit that description. Yeah, no, I was going to say the same thing. I can't think of a running back. And any any time that they've used uh, or, you know, gone to perimeter runs, it's usually been Rocket or, or Austin mm-hmm. Conway. And even this year it was Isaiah Nair, mm-hmm. uh, who is a, a freshman receiver. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I can't think of a, a, a scat back like that. But, you know, it, Craig Bull said, you know, he has – verified 10 six speed in the hundred meters you know so mm-hmm. i mean you would i mean a guy that that small i mean five seven now he's not he's not light i mean he's 180 which is a pretty good size for uh a, a five foot seven running back but mm-hmm. um yeah it is just interesting to to hear and again we'll get into this i mean later in the off season we'll have plenty of time to talk about wyoming's offense or, or, or lack thereof at times but uh yeah it, it, Craig Bowl just listening to him talk uh during his signing day press conference and particularly about this DQ James kid in particular 
you know, he brought up the fact that, you know, as, as we go back and we look and sort of self-evaluate, we're going to start re-engineering our offense some and changing some things up. And, you know, to, to hear him talk about, hey, we could, this is a guy we target specifically that we can use in different ways. It was just it – it was very different from – Hey, we're just going to line up and, and try to smash you, you know, run it down your throat, and smash mouth football. So, do you wonder if those wheels are turning and how much self evaluation they've done? I guess since the season ended in mid December, um, you know, he was been very animated. I mean, you know, his seasoning press conference back when in December. Um, I think I, I tweeted this out, but I mean, that's the most animated that I've ever seen Craig Bowl in my you know two years of, of covering this beat. Um, now. You know that may some of that may have been just uh, freshness of it, you know, and and of the frustration and how things went again offensively. But you know, if you're Craig Bowl and you're sitting there and watching this offense and particularly the, this passing game, but but even the running game that we're talking about right now and the and the lack of diversification that's been in it over the years, uh, you just wonder if maybe he's sort of seen enough at this point. And he sort of realizes, man, we've, we've got to change some things. And, and maybe this recruiting class sort of falls in line with that. Yeah, and I would think if you're trying to add a, a, a few wrinkles quickly, you know, having a scat back type running back who you can just easily get the ball to is probably an easier element to add right away than like, you know, passing game elements when the passing game has been a struggle for the last few years. So, you know, hey, here's a here's a fast kid. We can pitch him the ball out to the side. Boom, that's uh that's that's a new wrinkle as opposed to, you know, let's uh, revamp the entire vertical element of our offense that's been missing. Right. So yeah, with with the two additions um, Wednesday, that the both of them offensive players, obviously that's um, seven offensive players that they ended up signing, and eleven defensive players in this class. Uh, and uh, you know, Craig Bowl said that they might. Uh, you know, if there was just some player at, at, at a position uh, that they feel like is a need that could probably come in and help them right away, they might look at adding uh, another player uh, from the transfer portal or possibly offering one or two more high school kids if, if, if they feel like it's a fit in the future. But like I said, the, the, I think the scholarship numbers are so tight right now that they may very well be done with the 2021 recruiting class. Um, one quick Housekeeping note uh, on football before we move on. Uh, Craig Bowl did say that Sean Chambers is, has been cleared for activity uh, and he is expected to be full go once spring practice starts. Again, they, they've moved that back to uh, – it's supposed to start, I think, early to mid-April at this point. Their spring game scheduled for May 8th. But, um, you know, some good news there for Wyoming is they are getting their starting quarterback back uh, – at full go, at least for the spring, um, but you know, hopefully, he, that's a guy that can that can stay healthy because they really need him to. You know, and, and just had just some awful luck with injuries. I mean, what are the odds that somebody has season-ending injuries three straight years? Uh, right. And for that to happen to him, uh, particularly as as a as a quarterback, that's man, that's that's, that's just really bad luck. It's something you don't you don't see a whole lot, and um, so that, that they they really they need him. To uh, get back and to stay healthy because he's nine and three as a starter, uh, he's accounted for twenty two touchdowns in thirteen games. So, um, you know, obviously a huge part of what they want to do with him, but they've obviously got to keep him on the field. Yeah, and just real quick aside, that makes me think. You know, the majority of the Craig Bull era, depending, I guess, on how you want to uh, count twenty eighteen, because I know obviously Vanderwall came into the year as the starter, and then uh, Chambers 
uh, kind of proved himself if my memory's serving me right but you know if, if you count those three chambers years and then the the two years before Allen, uh, you know none of those years did they finish with their uh the starting quarterback that they had anticipated having if i if i remember right i know that i, I might be uh over generalizing the first year it might have been something where um the guy they expected coming into the year transferred because i know they had a couple guys leave but you know th- that stability at the quarterback position is really something that they have not had great luck with outside of Allen. And even Allen got hurt to the end of his second season. I mean, he came back for the bowl, but yeah. So what, so what you're saying is having a, a quarterback is important to uh, winning football games. For sure. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So if they can, uh, yeah, they definitely need to need to keep him healthy. Cause he's, very important to what they want to do, obviously. Um, so switching gears now, talk a little bit of basketball. Um, you know, Wyoming is in the thick of it now. Uh, I guess they're right at the halfway point of the Mountain West schedule. Uh, and we're recording this before their first game against Colorado State, uh, which is being played, that series being played at the Arena Auditorium, which, by the way, uh, game two will be Saturday uh, at 4 o'clock. I think it's being televised on uh, CBS Sports Network. Um, but regardless of the outcome of uh, Thursday night's game, uh, this is a Wyoming team that is uh, is ten and seven going into that game, um, uh, four and six in Mountain West play, and it's you know I think it's been a season that's almost been sort of gone as expected with a when you when you talk about bringing in a new coach and uh that's that's turned the roster over as much as he has i mean that I think at one point they had eight newcomers uh eight or nine newcomers uh now drew lamont who's a, a junior college transfer only played a handful of games before he transferred out but i mean you, you've got now with, with graham ek back in the mix you know they've got four freshmen true freshmen that are part of their rotation uh six newcomers at all um, so when you have that young of a team, yeah, there's going to be moments where, um, particularly with, with the, the shooting ability, the shooting talent that he's brought in, uh, much better shooting team than, than they've been the last two years. Um, of course, I, I don't know how much that's saying. I don't know how much worse it could have gotten, but, uh, I mean, they've gone from one of the worst offensive teams in the Mountain West to one of the best, one of the more efficient offensive teams in the Mountain West. Um, but, th- and then, but there's going to be other nights where they look like true freshmen. They show their age and they look overwhelmed. And, you know, particularly against the better teams in this league, that's, that's what they've done. So, uh, Brandon, I, I'll, I can ask you here in a minute if – I don't know if you've kept up with it enough to be, uh, to be comfortable enough to, to give any sort of grade at this point. But, uh, you know, if, if you asked me, like, what grade would I give Jeff Linder in, this, in his first year, I would say B+. And – a couple of reasons for that. One is the obvious. They've already won 10 games, which is more than they won all of last season. Took them all of 15 games this season to reach double-digit wins, which right. obviously is, is progress when you're coming off two straight years where you had single-digit wins uh, and made the coaching change because of that. Uh, and then, like I was mentioning earlier, uh, just the, the talent that he brought in. I mean, you, you're talking about one of those freshmen being Marcus Williams who – I mean, just barring an epic collapse from him, you know, the second half of this conference schedule, he's going to be the Mountain West Freshman of the Year. Uh, Xavier Ducell has been a revelation for them off the bench. Um, I think he's scoring, like, averaging more than 13 points a game 
over the last five games. Uh, their best three point shooter right now. Um, and then you get, I mentioned Graham EK. I mean, this, you know, the interior, the inside, that's, that has been the weak spot for Wyoming all season. I mean, teams, you know, and it's still not great, but before him, Wyoming just had zero really inside presence. You know, I mean, they have Hunter Thompson, but he's, he's more of your, of your stretch forward who, you know, doesn't spend a ton of time, particularly on the offensive end, you know, on, on the block. Uh, and he's not the most physical guy in the world anyway. Um, and, but to get Graham in there, at least he's helped give them some bulk, give them some girth where they're, they're just not getting killed on the glass every single night. And, 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 you know, have somebody that can at least match up with some of the, the better bigs, uh, in the mountain West. So, so that's helped. Um, and the shooting percentages, I mean, they're top three or four in the mountain West and shooting percentage, field goal, three point field goal percentage scoring. Um, so, the, the style of play, it's it, it's by mo- no means is it a finished product, obviously, in his first year. But you can see instantly them sort of molding into what he wants them to become on that end of the floor where they're, they're shooting a lot of threes. Uh, the, the pace is much – I mean, it, it's like night and day watching Jeff Linder's team versus the last two teams that Allen Edwards had. Um, so, uh, I mean, you know, that, that's sort of been what he, uh, what his background is. You know, he was sort of the, and Leon Rice, the coach at Boise State has talked about this, but Jeff was the, basically the offensive coordinator for them and came up with all those offensive game plans um, and, and really developed that more, brought that more European style to the Mountain West of, of five out and having, you know, guys at all, every position on the floor that can, that can shoot threes um, and, and that's what Wyoming is right now. Um, I guess the the reason I can't go higher than a B plus, or I'm reluctant to, is because they've yet to beat you know one of the top four, to one of the content, real contenders in the Mountain West so far. Um, and they haven't really been all like competitive in trying. I mean, they've you know the yeah. two games against Boise State, and then the, their previous two games against San Diego state. I think they're losing, they lost those all four of those games by an average of 25 points. So it's been, it's been a struggle um, against some of the better teams in the Mount West. And then defensively right now, I mean, they're just not stopping anybody. I mean, they're, they're bottom two in the Mountain West in, in points allowed and field goal percentage defense. I mean, teams are shooting almost 48% against them. Uh, San Diego state for that series shot, a combined 50, 57%, I think it was. Um, I mean, you're just not going to beat many, many teams, let alone the better teams in this league. You know, when, when teams are shooting almost 60% from the floor, I mean, that that's that, that end of the floor is something that Jeff Linder has, you know, he, he, he's every time we talk to him, he seems more and more frustrated just from the sense of, Hey, you know, I've, I've been preaching to those these guys that yeah, offense is great, but until you know, we realize the the value of defensive possessions and sitting down and guarding. Um, you know, we're not going to be where we want to be, or at least we're not going to make uh, as much progress in the short term that we want to mm-hmm. to get this thing back on track and and you know become a team that can you know compete in the upper half of the league again. Um, so th- that's something that's got to get shored up. But I would say, like like I said, I would give them a B plus. I mean, overall. All in all, we'll see what happens um, down the stretch here uh, in the second half of the Mountain West season. But their schedule is going to lighten up a, a little bit after these next couple weeks. Um, you know, you still got to go to Utah State next week, which that's going to be a tough one on the road, that series. But, I mean, when you consider the totality of everything and where this program was 
almost a full year ago. I mean, last March when they made the coaching change, um, you know, they've definitely made some progress in areas Mm -hmm. that they needed to. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I'm sure you've written about this, but I imagine doing all this and starting off, you know, as a head coach during 2020 is, uh, added an added challenge to everything. So, you know, sitting where they are right now, you, you gotta feel like, uh, you could be in a lot worse shape. Um, yeah, my my thought a little bit is that the bar after the last two years was so low uh, with this program. You know, it seems like they've already cleared it. I would say with you know, like you said, hitting double digit wins, and you know, I kind of wonder what uh, what what's what's next as far as you know what's what's the the goal for what they can accomplish this season reasonably. You know, I mean, is it is it yeah you know based on where they finish in the standings? Is it being a team that can win a game at the at the end of the year in the conference attorney, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but yeah, as far as like you're saying that just the, the roster makeup, um, it's, it's impressive what he's been able to bring in so quickly. And that was, you know, from my vantage point, I mean, there wasn't, um, a whole lot of incentive to be watching, uh, UW basketball if you weren't getting paid for it the last two years, but it seems like, you know, the, the biggest problem that, Alan Edwards had at the end of his time in Wyoming was just a a lack of talent, so to speak, you know, just didn't have a lot to work with, which, um, not, not, I'm not excusing it. I'm obviously it was his team he put together. I'm just saying that's what, it didn't seem like they were underperforming so much as there wasn't, uh, the, the team there that could perform. And so, you know, it kind of comes down to at some point to the, the Jimmy's and Joe's as coaches like to say, and, uh, he's, he's got them now. And, you know, college sports being what they are, especially basketball now, it's a matter of develop, developing and keeping them because, you know, be, having been there for the first two years of the Edwards tenure, you know, it, uh, year one and year two, it was like, okay, um, you know, it, it seems like there's a lot of potential here. He's got some impressive recruits coming in, and then all of a sudden, you know, his roster kind of fell off a cliff. Uh, his best recruit yet, you know, had a concussion problem and, and transferred um you know a lot of guys transferred after i think his second year if i'm re- remembering right so you know now it's a matter of can you can you keep all these guys here and can you continue to develop them yeah and it, and it is it is an interesting dynamic because with Allen those last couple of years they actually played pretty good defense so it was mm-hmm. it was i mean you've gone from now you know a team that could that could stay in games defensively, but couldn't could hardly couldn't score hardly at all. To a team that can score but can't stop anybody, and and yeah. you know that we sit here and we and I've written about this um, numerous times because it's sort of bit it's sort of been a, a storyline that's gone in hand in hand with their youth. But the the the, the defense, you know, it's it's well the question people say, well, well, can they actually improve? Well. This year, I, I don't know. It, you know, we're 17 now, 18 games into this after mm-hmm. Thursday night's game. It's like, you know, the, uh, Ole Miss, when I was at Ole Miss, their basketball coach at the time, Andy Kennedy, who's now the head coach at UAB, he always used to say, like, he, dude, he was so quotable, uh, gave, like, so many good, so much good stuff to the media. But he would always, he always used to say, you know, at a certain point that you are what the numbers say you are. Right. And, you know, at this point of the season, I mean, you're getting, you're, you're now at the point where, you know, you are who you are. And, uh, so this is going to have to be a team that outscores people. I think, I think to win games and, and they've shown the ability to do that. And, and again, going back to, 
you know, the youth thing, it's, you know, sometimes this team is going to um, show its age and, and, and get overwhelmed by some of these better teams. But there are going to be times, too, where they really flash their potential. It's like, okay, this is, these guys are a lot talented than what we've had in the past. We're moving in the right direction. So I would be shocked if Wyoming swept Colorado State. Colorado State's a really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that they're probably – I mean, if they don't slip up against a, a team that they, that they can't afford to slip up because, you know, the Mountain West, it's a little bit stronger this year. But, you know, there's so many teams in this league that are sort of like landmines, you know, in terms of their – the net ranking and the analytics where if you lose to them, it's, you know, it's, it's such a bad loss from a, a number standpoint that it can cost you, yeah. um, you know, a, a postseason bid and particularly for Colorado state, um, you know, it's a tournament bid this year, but um, you know, if they keep doing what they're doing, and don't have any major slip-ups, I mean, I, I think that's an NCAA tournament team. They're squarely on the bubble right now. But, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Wyoming at least split the series, particularly at home. I mean, this is – you know, Wyoming beat this team last year with, with last year's players in the Mountain West tournament uh, with a lot of the same players that are still on Colorado State's team, so they can do it. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, earned a split in this series. Uh just from their talent level playing at home, their ability to shoot. Uh, but but the, the problem is going to be physicality. And that, that's something, you know, while I'm going to struggle with all year. And um, particularly David Roddy, who is Colorado State's basically Swiss Army knife of, of a player. I mean, he, he's six foot five and he plays center for them, basically. Now, he can do a lot of other things. Like, he can go inside and out. But I, I, just, I, I think that's a, that's a really bad matchup for Wyoming. But, uh, you know, I mean, if they, if they go, can go out there and, mm-hmm. and shoot the lights out of it, and, and if they can, you know, score and, and make this get, put this game in the 80s, um, you know, I think they, they can at least have a chance in one of them. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how that series in particular mm-hmm. – uh, pans out, you know, the first experience um, for Jeff Linder actually coaching in the, in the Border Wars series. So, um, you know, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I, I guess a good way to put it is you just – you never know what you're going to get with this young of a team night in and night out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in a, a rivalry game where, you know, cliche goes you can throw the records out and that's, I think, been pretty true in this rivalry in recent years. You know, you kind of are going to get a, a, a good game one way or the other, even if one team was having a, a rough year, um, for, for the most part, um, not to mention, you know, back to back, you know, I understand why they're doing this for, for COVID, but it sure would have been pretty crazy to watch in, in normal circumstances. These two teams play one another, um, you know, in back to back games, and, yeah. and especially some of the close heartbreakers and, and, or close wins that they had throughout the years to, you know, to see the other team get a chance to respond days later, that would have been fun. Um, and yeah, I uh, just got to throw in this thought too on, on how Linder's doing so far is, uh, you know, apparently he's doing well enough that Greeley wants to join the state of Wyoming, so they must miss him or something like that. I don't know if you've you've seen the story, but... No, uh, I have not seen that. <laughs> Weld yeah. County, which is, I believe, where Greeley and therefore UNC is in Colorado, is, is petitioning to get its uh, county to... Uh, investigate basically how they could become a part of Wyoming rather than Colorado because they feel like Wyoming more represents their values. Um, so I'm just, my thought, my mind goes to, oh, so would that be uh, the University of Southern Wyoming then at that point? Or how does, how does that work? So, uh, yeah, that's a good question. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I have no idea. but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but it's... <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Uh, I guess I can, uh, I can always hope, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, but I, I think if, if Wyoming were able to, to get out of this series with a split, I think that'd be huge for them. Again, particularly mm-hmm. with, uh, as I mentioned, them having to go on the road next week to Utah State, who's another NCAA um, hopeful uh, you know, if you if you can at least get a split in this, um, and then get past the Utah State, however the Utah State series plays out, then you then you get a little games that at least on paper are more favorable in terms of the matchups. Um, you know, you get San Jose State, which hasn't been very good this year, New Mexico, which has been dreadful this year. But I, man, I, you know, there there are reports out that New Mexico, you know, may yeah. just opt out of their season, um, which right. I'm completely fine with, man. And I, I mean, it's it's hard to, it's hard to even blame, you know, Paul Weir and that and that program mm-hmm. for the kind of season they're having when they can't even play home games. And I mean, they're having to go to different states to to play different games because they can't play in New Mexico because of the the public health orders in effect there, which. I mean, that's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, they're probably going through green chili withdrawal being away from Albuquerque <laughs> that much. I know I know, I am. I'm just speaking experience. Yeah, <laughs> You're just speaking from personally? Yeah. That's wild, though, what they're, what they're having to deal with this year. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't even – I don't know. I, I don't even count it. I wouldn't even count this as against their, their records, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but – yeah. Anyway, like it, but it, you know, if they end up playing that, and then you know, the UNLV series is is as far as I know, is still supposed to be rescheduled at some point. Which, looking at the schedule, uh, the only real availability would be like between their final regular season game and the start of the Mountain West tournament. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, point being, the schedule gets a little bit easier uh, once you once yeah. you get past these next two weeks. So if they could somehow. Um, you know, get get one or two uh, these next couple weeks. Uh, I mean, you feel better, a lot better about yourself going to the end. And uh, you know, that's, I think right now they're in seventh place. Um, so you know, if if they could they could steal one or two these next weeks, next couple weeks, and finish strong. I mean, they they could still finish. Um, you know, the top half. I mean, I mean, you're not surprised like Boise, Colorado State, San Diego State, and Utah State. They're going to finish top four in some order. Right. But after that, um, you know, who, who, I mean, I, I think everything's sort of still up for grabs. So, um, yeah, they, they got a chance to uh, to finish strong. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you end, I mean, uh, with this being his first year, it's all about, you know, kind of forward momentum, right? And if you can end strong and feel like you're a team who took care of the games they were supposed to and then maybe, like you said, picked off one or two that they that they weren't supposed to, that's certainly something you can build on. Absolutely, man. And I think to go back to the question you posed earlier about, you know, it's kind of what do you what do you deem success as going forward? Um, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily where they finish in the standings or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who they do or don't be. I think it's more are you making progress or, and building the kind of habits, you know, that Jeff Linder wants, wants to instill in this program to get them to where they ultimately want to be, which is to – you know, be competitive against the upper half and be an upper half, top half of the Mountain West kind of team. Um, and obviously, a, much of that starts in the defensive end. And there's still a ton of work for them to do on that end of the floor. But if you can at least over these, you know, these next eight, ten games or however many 
they have left in their season, uh, you know, if you can start at least making some baby steps and, 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 and at least start clicking in some of the, the young players' minds that, okay, you know, this is what we have to do. And, and you know, this is what, you know, coach has been talking about um, for us to really, you know, turn the corner here in this program. It's going to take a little bit of time. I mean, again, this is year one. So, I mean, as Jeff Linder loves to say, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but, you know, if they can start developing some of those habits and, you know, start – and I think, you know, as as much as you don't want to get your doors blown off by San Diego State and Boise State, you know, a silver lining of that could be the fact that, hey, look, these are the teams we're trying to catch. You know, these are the teams we're trying to be. And I'm, I'm telling you that we have to be a lot better, right. particularly on the defensive end, to, to catch up with the better teams in our league. So, you know, when they go out there and experience that, you know, you hope uh, – at least it's Jeff Linder's hope that's sort of a wake-up call to say, hey, guys, this is – you know, I'm not, I'm not just – talking to hear myself speak. I mean, this is this is what we have to do to become a contender again in the Mountain West. For sure. So, all right, Brandon, well, we'll go ahead and take a break. And then when we come back on the other side, we will transition into a little NFL and uh, talk a little bit about Josh Allen. Let's see. Welcome back into the Pokescast, and now we're going to talk a little NFL, and specifically the Buffalo Bills and their quarterback, Wyoming's own Josh Allen. And Brandon, I really wanted to um, let you talk a little bit, because I was not on this beat when Josh Allen was at Wyoming, that was you, so you got to see him more up Mm. close and personal, but... um, He's gone on to uh, become a pretty good quarterback in the NFL uh, in his uh, his third season, uh, his best season, um, obviously leading the, the Bills to to their best season in a quarter century. Uh, you know their first AFC East division title since '95, their first couple playoff wins since that season. Um, <laughs> you know those fans in Buffalo, man, they're uh, they were ha- they were happy to see. Uh, see Josh Allen uh, come to come drop fall to them with the seventh pick in that 2018 draft and, and turn to what, he, what he's turned into um, fellow wins shy of the Super Bowl, um, which a lot of AFC teams do now in this, uh, I guess I would just call it the Patrick Mahomes era, but um, yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he's pretty good too. But um, so what sort of triggered my, my mind about this was late in that game in the AFC championship game. And I tweeted this video out. And I don't know if I was hoping you'd bring. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm a, so you saw what I'm talking about. Yes. I, so yeah. So and, and I know. I guess people in 
Wyoming have seen this before, fans, when he played at Wyoming. But, so late in that game, I mean, it's garbage time. They're not going to win. But, he, you know, he's he's scrambling. He's, he's buying time, looking for somebody to throw to. And he gets flushed to the sideline. I can't remember if he if he got tackled out of bounds or if momentum just sort of took him. Mm-hmm. But he's falling out of bounds. He's almost on a knee. And he does this sort of um, combination of a sidearm pass and it's un- like underhand <laughs> toss it's like upside like <laughs> and the ball goes f- like 50 i mean he was at m- midfield maybe a, maybe a few yards above yeah. the yeah and he, he throws it out of the end zone basically underhanded and i was like hold wait hold on time, mm-hmm. time out time out. like i like i couldn't believe i just saw that i was like what this is ridiculous yeah. this is absurd so so naturally <laughs> i was like i took i got my phone out I took video and I tweeted tweeted the video out, but and I was like, "This is insane!" Like I'm, I just sat there and sort of laughed at it. But um, like I said, I you know I've heard so many stories about that over the years, and I was not on the beat, at, and I never saw Josh Allen play in person at Wyoming. Um, but but I've heard from some you know former teammates and Craig Bowl and people just talk about you know so, sort of folklore about his arm strength and his athleticism. And you know it's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to to, to watch that on, on TV, to watch him basically underhand a ball fifty plus mm-hmm. yards. And so I I say all of that to say, Brandon, I want you to give our listeners your your best jo- like is there a best Josh Allen story that you because everyone seems to have one. <laughs> you you saw him play for a couple of years at Wyoming. Uh, I know you've told me some things. So yeah. do you have like? favorite story yeah like a favorite josh off, allen story off or on the field <laughs> but uh whatever you want to share man. i mean like most of my favorite parts about covering him were uh definitely on the field because he just did crazy things on the field it's not to say he wasn't like you know an enjoyable interview or whatever but um and yeah for- that's what i'm like i'm saying is there is there is there a moment in a game where he did something like that and you were just like yeah no, like that's not were, real i'm trying to narrow it down <laughs> um so I and for those of you you know who never heard of me before I was yeah here I was lucky enough to be on the beat the two years he started, um, full years and uh, yeah I I was glad you pointed that out because the the broadcasters almost like didn't even comment on that weird throw and it was like that was an insane insanely weird thing that happened and nobody even talked about it um yeah I mean <laughs> yeah um in in general my favorite Josh Allen play is uh. It, I, you know, it's funny because it's it's started sort of resurfacing every so often because it's so wild and people are paying attention to him so much now. But it was against Utah State in his first year as a starter, 2016. They're just walloping uh, the Aggies in the first half, and there's a play where he ends up rolling to his left, kind of a you know half broken down play type thing, and uh, rolling to his left, he just you know launches the ball. 50 something yards to the left corner of the end zone. And, you know, keep in mind, he's a right-handed quarterback right into the corner where Tanner Gentry catches it. And, um, as someone pointed out, I never noticed recently, but like I said, he threw this from about midfield. He's also somehow the first person to congratulate Gentry when he gets up, like he just ran down the field (laughs) that fast. Um, so he can, so, so not only is he athletic, has a big arm, he runs like a four, three. Yeah. He's just weirdly fast. Um, and yeah, I, the what what I loved about that one was, 
I mean, the the better answer may be the first uh, first half touchdown he had against Nebraska that year. Uh, Wyoming fans probably have attempted to forget that game because they absolutely just broke down in the second half and got murdered. But uh, the the only reason they were even close to in it at halftime was because at the end of the first half he rolled out to his right, pointed at Tanner Gentry in the corner of the end zone, and launches this just gorgeous out of nowhere NFL throw perfectly on a dime in the back corner of the end zone where Gentry catches it. Suddenly it's like a one possession game. I can't remember specifically. And then he weirdly made that like same exact throw, you know, again on a rollout, again pointing, again it was to Gentry, corner of the end zone. He made that throw like, I want to say three more times that year. I know he did it against Boise and the really the, was the really clutch one he had. He did it um, against Utah or UNLV at the end of that game, which was really wild. And and then, but then the Utah State one, he did uh, he did it to his left. He like you know threw it, threw a wrinkle into it and then did it to his other side. And I was like, this is this is nuts. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that play up because I think that really sort of encapsulated what was the most fun part about watching Josh Allen was not just that he had the physical tools to do something like that, but that he has the consp- the competitive spirit to try something insane, such as it looked like he was falling out of bounds on his head, that play you were talking about, and, like, tried to yeah. re-flip himself up and then throw the ball. And then knowing Josh, I was like, oh, like, maybe he was throwing it away, but considering where that ball landed, I think he thought <laughs> he could get a touchdown out of that. Um, and and he didn't. But, like, he, it's that combination of willingness to try things that even after they work, you're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have thrown that pass. Um, he was just, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think it's um, – the most like helpful way to think about Josh Allen is to think about him like as a video game character. Like he, um, you know, he does all these crazy things and his, you know, if you remember playing Madden in the mid nineties where there was Mike Vick and he was way too fast and like no matter what, like he could just run really fast around (laughs) and it was fun to play with. Like that's, that's like what Josh has always been, but with his arm rather than his speed, you know, his, his arm is 110 out of a hundred. And even if the accuracy or whatever it is, like needs improvement, you never know what's going to happen when someone has an arm like that. Um, so yeah, he's, I mean, I, I, I can fill time any week you need just with vamping about like Josh Allen takes that I have and people love to have hot takes on him now, but um, yeah, he was just fun to watch above all. Yeah. And, and doesn't that make it any more great, even more crazy? The fact that he was so lightly recruited coming out of junior college. I mean, I, I don't know if, yeah. I don't know if maybe he just did, he didn't sh- like have those wow plays at his what one season in junior college where, mm-hmm. where, where the arm strength was just so evident. I don't, I don't know, but a guy with that kind of arm strength who did not, you know, did not come straight out of high school to Wyoming or, or come or come straight out of high school to being recruited by four years. I mean, he had a stop at a junior college in between. And it's like, you know, it, it's like, how, how does a guy with that kind of arm strength and that kind of athleticism who played in the junior college, how does he not, how does that not get more offers than Wyoming? And, and what was this, uh, Eastern Michigan or, or something like that? Yeah, Eastern Michigan, yep. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's a really even weirder part of his his story because like the only not the only but like the thing that he's survived on thus far until this year in his NFL career was just like pure raw athleticism, right? Yeah. Like the other parts were getting honed, and and normally when there's an 
NFL player succeeding only because he's a better athlete than everyone, you're like, oh, because he went to Alabama. You know, right, like yeah. the, the, the great athletes are the ones who go to the great schools. But I think part of it is he was such a late bloomer. Just, you know, I think he hit a growth spurt when he went to JUCO. Um, yeah, he like he couldn't get Fresno State to recruit him, you know, before or after that, which is was like his hometown school. Um, yeah, I, I should, you know, I'd be curious to watch some more of his Juco tape, but my memory of it was just, um, you know, the, the arm strength was definitely there and, and he had these long passes. I don't know if he had like these crazy things, you know, that he did yeah. uh, throughout his first season, but yeah, I think it was just probably because, uh, you know, he was so raw outside of that arm strength. Um, you know, he, he, he did play one game and then get got hurt immediately in 2015 when he came in and so you know you wonder if that off season of uh having a broken collarbone and having a little more time to you know study the game or whatever you know may have may have helped um but yeah i mean it, it it's a weird it's a weird story <laughs> i mean there's not too many like him he just i mean he wasn't a part of the there's this whole like elite quarterback circuit now you know for prep recruits right. and stuff and he was not on that radar um and, you know, Wyoming kind of happened to luck out to get him because they were playing at Fresno State at one point, and they had an assistant who had formerly been at Fresno State, and he was like, oh, I remember Josh, he's uh, bigger now, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, they a lot of it is luck, but a lot of it, too, you know, the same staff found Carson Wentz. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe they uh, there's just something that they see that others don't as far as just pure arm strength or whatever it may be um but yeah it's 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 crazy i mean i i wonder what he would have been like at a bigger school because as as wild as his athleticism is like it would you swap him for like i'm trying to think of who bama's quarterback was like for jalen hurts like would he have had a better college career at bama than jalen hurts like i i don't actually think he would have just in in terms of pure like college stats so it's it's weird. <laughs> no, yeah, it's 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 why and, and look, Josh Allen's not like this anomaly, right? Like there are a lot of kids every year that uh, you know go under recruited, go unnoticed, that end up turning. You know, you know, you hear about these kids that you know no stars or two stars or whatever by the recruiting services, and they you know end up having long NFL careers. But and, and maybe it is, maybe it's the fact that you know he, he he wasn't physically all that physically mature. You know, his first year in junior college and. And was so raw, but you would just think like it's hard to believe that a guy with that kind of arm strength uh, mm-hmm. is is a guy that had to send out an email to basically all the D one <laughs> schools in the country, and be like, "Hey, re- recruit me," you know, or try to recruit me, guys. But yeah, 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 you would have thought someone would have just taken a flyer on that. Yeah, because but... I mean, I mean, you can you can coach up the mechanics and, and coach some of that rawness out of you. You, it's it's hard to coach that kind of arm talent. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's, but yeah, it's, I wanted you to, to share because like I said, I've, you know, I, I didn't get the pleasure of, of covering him in college and I, I've never seen him play in person. So to, right. you know, it's one thing to watch it on TV. It's another thing to, to see that, you know, play out uh, live and to see a, <laughs> see a, a rocket basically shoot 60, 60 yards <laughs> from the side of your arm. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we'll see if, uh, you know, I think we could probably spend like another half hour on, you know, what, how surprising it is that he had as good of a year as he had this year and all that. But um, I'm a little curious to see, like, as he gets better and more, you know, mature, 
if he loses some of that craziness. Yeah. <laughs> like, I kind of hope that he doesn't. I hope that he continues to be like a really unpredictable, maybe just only in the good ways, but type of player. Because, you know, I, I think back to the first playoff game he played against the Texans last year, and he had that wild play where he, I mean, he had a few wild plays, but where he like lateraled the ball like out of nowhere. He just, and, and he almost lost the game for them in overtime, and everyone kind of made fun of him for a day on social media. And But then he actually rallied and should have probably won that game for him. I remember there being like a iffy block in the back call or something like that that put them out of field goal range that would have won it. But, you know, at the end of this game when they were losing against the Chiefs, and it was like, okay, this is over. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're not coming back. You still kind of had a feeling with knowing Josh that like, okay, this isn't going to end <laughs> in an uninteresting fashion <laughs> like he's gonna yeah. he's gonna try to score 30 points on a play or something and then sure enough like it ended with him throwing the ball at the guy who sacked him <laughs> face, which which i was like honestly like i was happy to see that like it's i don't want him to go down with a whimper you know yeah. um and and yeah i tweeted this but you know he did a similar thing in that nebraska game when he had four turnovers in that fourth quarter and just like pretty much kind of melted down and he got he got picked off on a play. The guy I don't know if he tackled the guy on the run back, but he was near him. And the guy handed the ball back to Josh yeah. after intercepting him. And then Josh took it and threw it at the guy's face. <laughs> uh, and the other guy got flagged for handing it to him, actually. But um, you know, he's just he's just he really really hates to lose, and it makes uh, it makes for fun moments moments like that. Yeah, that was. Uh... That that was something. I mean, I like, I I, I I haven't seen like any really a whole lot of his college highlights either. And certainly not the plays you're talking about. But yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, he, like, yeah, you were mentioning like the, the announcers hard didn't even make mention of it. But it was like, like that was hard to ignore. It was like, wait a minute, this guy is basically on a knee out of bounds, and he just flung a ball sixty yards. Like, yeah, yeah, I, so. Yeah, it was it was it was wild, but um, Brandon, we've been going at this for about an hour, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. What quickly? What's your uh, what's your Super Bowl prediction, Bucks or Chiefs? Um, I've I've got the Chiefs, and unless like their defense collapses or Mahomes gets hurt or something, like I don't understand how they're not the favorites to win like four Super Bowls in a row. Yeah. Like when their if their defense is playing that solidly with you know that much of a all-time offense opposite them like they they just like shouldn't lose ever <laughs> so yeah. I, i'll never count out touchdown tom i suppose but um i i would be uh putting money on the chiefs that's the thing man like i, I like my head my, my head says like the the chiefs are gonna blow them out like they're, they're just too good but you know they played a competitive game during the the regular season and I, yeah I, at this point man if you're still betting against Tom Brady, like I think, I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like field goal, touchdown, one possession game. Uh, and I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if if Tom Brady pulls it out. I mean, if you're still betting against him in 2021, I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> so, just, as a uh, Packers fan and as someone who pulls for the Bills now because of because of Josh, I just hope no one ever kicks a field goal inside of the. 20 yard line ever again the rest of my life yeah well that's what I, that's what i was thinking in the afc championship game i was like i don't even know why the bills brought their field goal kicker like yeah. kicking field goals is irrelevant against patrick mahomes exactly uh yeah, in that offense but all right uh yeah 
Well, appreciate it, Brandon. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, at, at, I'll, I'll mention this too. I, I did, while we're talking about uh, former Wyoming players in the NFL, uh, I did catch up with uh, Logan Wilson recently, who just wrapped up his rookie season with Cincinnati Bengals. Um, that story is on Treb.com and PostAuthority.com. If you have not seen it, want to check that out. So um, he had a pretty good rookie season. Um, for the Bengals dealt with some, some injuries that kept him out of a handful of games. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised going into next year, uh, you know, if he ends up being a starter, uh, for, for the Bengals. But, um, as always, just check out all of, uh, our content at trib.com, pokesauthority.com. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Pokes Authority. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davis E. Potter. Uh, you can know, also follow Brandon. What is it? At B. Foster 91. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Um, well, appreciate uh, you joining me, Brandon. Uh, appreciate all of you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>